I haven't really woken up oh, until I've had my McDonald's breakfast deal. And I know this is true because before breakfast, I put my phone in the refrigerator and couldn't find the keys that were already in my hand. Nothing gets the morning going like the first sip of an iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it. Hey, this is Linda Cohn from ESPN, and you're listening to the ML Sports Platter. And the ML Sports Platter back with you. All over the major platforms, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Deezer, Apple, you know what to do. And by the way, if you have an Apple smartphone, just find that purple podcast button, tap it, hit search, type in ML Sports Platter and hit subscribe, and you'll get new and archived episodes to the ML Sports Platter with the likes of Adrian Wojnarowski, Bob Casas, Mark Teixeira, Cal Ripken Jr., Eric Wood, many others, best-selling authors, all available with the ML Sports Platter. And you can hit me on Twitter as well, at Mike L Sports. Before I bring in uh, uh, Jim Sadlin, who's uh, the radio color analyst for the Syracuse men's basketball team, and a guy who, let's be honest, had some career at St. Bonaventure uh, as, a, as a player and as a head coach, uh, leading the Bonnies, of course, to the 1977 NIT championship uh, and made one NCAA tournament appearance the following season literally one of the greats at my alma mater. Uh, I wanted to get into the name, image, likeness thing a little bit, and we'll talk to Jim about that and the Cuse and Bonnies and, and kind of go across the board with them. Uh, I wasn't able to go to the Golf with the Bonnies uh, event in Rochester, but I think Jim was there, so we'll pick his brain on that too. Uh, but the name, image, likeness thing that, that, that has happened, obviously I'm, I'm all in on it. I'm 100% in. Um, I just think it's tremendous that they're doing this. I think all the college kids who have scholarships and their you know Division one athletes, I think they deserve you know an opportunity to use their name and make money. Um, unfortunately, kids these days, uh, you know, they're not allowed as student athletes. That term still cracks me up, but you know they're not allowed to go out and have a summer job. You know, they're not allowed to work. Um, you know, they can't go out and, and, and cut a corporate deal with a car company or with whomever. Um, this is going to be great because now everybody will get paid what the person paying them thinks that they're worth. We all get paid on a different scale in this country. We all get paid, you know, at a different level. Um, you know, some people are entrepreneurs. Some people make 30, 40, 50 grand. Some people make 150 grand. Some people make millions. Uh, it's all different. The pay scale for teachers is different, depending on you know how many years you've been there. The retirement structure is different. Did you start late? Uh, construction worker. I mean, you can go on and on. Media people, you know, like big time sports media hosts in St. Louis are getting paid for sure more than you know Albany, uh, you know New York. Um, so we all get paid on a different on a different scale. But where I think name image likeness really is going to benefit is two places. One, I think. We have removed the gray area of how do you stay consistent with the rowing, the rower, the soccer player, the lacrosse player, and the basketball and football stars who help move the needle financially. You know, let's say that Trevor Lawrence could take advantage of name, image, likeness, 
you got to pay him, but you got to pay the same amount to a women's soccer player. No disrespect to the women's soccer player. No disrespect to the men's lacrosse player. No disrespect to the baseball player, softball player, and everybody in between. But football moves the needle. Football brings in the most money, which allows those programs to continue. Same thing really with college basketball, especially in March Madness. To me, you've removed that gray area. Like, we don't have to worry about how much we pay that person this per- because the car dealer, the pizza shop, the sports memorabilia place, they're all paying them what they want to pay him or her. And I think that's a great, great thing. You've taken that totally out, especially with Title IX. So you don't have to just say, well, you know, Title IX exists, so I have to pay you fifty grand while I pay this quarterback fifty grand. You could pay somebody twenty grand and eighty grand if you wanted. Like you can do whatever you want, and I think that's a good thing. And frankly, everybody's making money, so who cares? The second big thing that I think this is going to do, and I, I think this is is a big, big, big deal, is I think that name, image, and likeness. It's easy to jump to the star basketball player at Duke, the star quarterback at Alabama, the star wide receiver at LSU, right? Like it's e- the star corner at Texas. It's easy to jump to those schools and players. Power five, lots of money, big time people, blah, blah, blah. It's easy. It's easy. <laughs> Trust me, it's easy to jump to that. But I think this is going to be a bigger deal for the little guys. In other words, let's say somebody is living in the Midwest, say, you know, Ohio, Michigan, wherever, and they've got offers from Iowa, Ohio State, Michigan State, wherever, Michigan, and, and they want to play in front of the packed houses. They want to be there. They Okay. But they're not going to start. Let's say they're a wide receiver. Let's say they're a four-star wide receiver out of, you know, the state of wherever, Illinois, right? They have offers to Northwestern. You name it, right? All the Big Ten schools, blah, blah, blah. If that player isn't going to start, at least you can look into the future, 11 or, you know, I I don't know. Well, if you look into the future, you you can't start until your junior or senior year, and you have 11, 12 scholarship offers. One of those offers, let's say, is from Miami of Ohio. Good Mac school, pedigree in the NFL, Big Ben, etc. But you can start right away there and be a wide receiver. And you can go right there in a decent market with a good amount of people and good businesses. And your athletic department's also going to help you. You could make 150, 200 grand here. You're going to be the biggest fish in the sea. You're going to make a lot of money. You're going to sign some endorsements. Why don't you come here? Because you're going to have a lot of opportunity to do that. And oh, by the way, we can get you to the NFL too. We're on TV all the time. We play really good competition. We go out of our conference and play major programs. Why don't you come here? And you're going to start. You're going to pile up a ton of numbers. You know, we run a, a spread offense. You're going to put up, you know, 1,000, 1,200 yards a year. And you're going to have an opportunity when you first come as a freshman, you're going to be a star. You're going to be our number one wide receiver. You're going to be able to go sign with Joe Schmo dealer, car dealer. You're going to sign with a pizza shop. You're going to sign autographs at a sports memorabilia store. And it's all going to build as your career builds and you get better. Or while it's nice to stand on the sidelines and watch 110,000 people go bananas for Michigan against Michigan State or Ohio State against Northwestern, whoever team you play for at what stadiums, etc. 
hey, instead of all that, you know, where you're just riding the pine and just waiting your turn, could be two years, could be three. Hell, you might not even get it. You can do all this here. I think that's a big deal. My alma mater, St. Bonaventure, same type deal. I mean, what happens if you have a couple offers from like, you know, Wake Forest and a couple others, but Bonaventure says, hey, come on, you can be a big fish in a small pond. We're going to set you up with, you know, Four Mile Brewing Company. We're going to set you up with the local Applebee's. We're going to set you up with this and that and the other thing. We're going to set you up with the beef and barrel. We're going to set you up with an autograph appearance at the sports locker. Like, you're going to make 150, 200 grand at least over four years. That's a pretty good nut. That's like a $50,000 salary as a college athlete, and you're on full-ride tuition in terms of uh, full-ride tuition and room and board and the like, that sounds pretty good to me, um, as opposed to waiting to be the starting point guard for Penn State. So this is going to change the landscape. There's no doubt about it. He is the Syracuse basketball radio color analyst and, of course, is a legend at St. Bonaventure basketball history, had a terrific playing career, and as a head coach, really made his Mark uh, coached the Bonnies for nine seasons, won the NIT in 1977, and uh, made one NCAA tournament appearance the following season, and then he moved, of course, to Duquesne in 1982, and he won the Atlantic 10 Coach of the Year in 1983. One of the most brilliant basketball minds I know and uh, consider him a friend as well, Jim Sadlin. Hey, Jim, how are you? I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. It's uh, got caught in a little rainstorm right here, but it's... it's uh... Everything worked out okay. Yeah, no doubt. Let's get into name, image, and likeness. Uh, I, I happen to think that these—it's it, going to be obviously a big deal. It's going to—it's going to cause a lot of different things to happen. But I think it actually could help the little guy more. And I mean that by, hey, let's say there's somebody in Pennsylvania who gets a full ride to Bonaventure, and they can be a full—you know—they—they they, they can go there full scholarship, tuition, room and board, the whole thing. And they can get hooked up immediately with five local businesses. They sign a bunch of autographs. They do some appearances. You know, they might make a cool 100 to 150 grand over their four years and start right away and be a superstar in that town and own the town as opposed to going and waiting their turn. Let's say the fourth year they're a starter at Penn State and the same could apply at football. What is your overall thought here of name, image, and likeness where it can benefit the layers of athletes at different places, Power 5, non-Power 5, et cetera? You know what, uh, Mike? I'm, I'm kind of um, wait and see here. Um, I'm obviously for it. I think it's great for the players. I think that they deserve it. I think that they should. Everybody should share in this thing. Be scholarship players. Be non-scholarship athletes. Um, I think everybody should be involved in this thing. I'm, I'm kind of anxious to see how it how it turns out. You make a good point, saying. It's, a St. Bonaventure athlete maybe could go in in a small town and do some, you know, autograph signings or do maybe a little promotion for a local um, automobile agency or something like that. And what kind of money you're talking about here? I don't know. I, I have no idea about what it's going to come down to or how it's going to be. Um, I do think that it's one of these things that uh, has been long overdue. I think that these guys, you know, bring a lot of money into, even to a small school like St. Bonaventure. It doesn't make anywhere near the kind of money that, you know, the ACC, Syracuse, and so on and so forth would do. They still raise significant monies for that university. And, uh, you know, it's because of the players. You know, let's face it. And, and it's, I think, it's only fair and equitable that, that these guys share in it. But I, I, uh, 
I don't know if it's going to favor the, the smaller schools, the bigger schools. Um, you know, is there going to be uh, athletes upset over the fact that, uh, you know, the quarterbacks can make it all the money and this running back's not making anywhere near as much as he is? And could that cause an issue? I, I don't think so in the long run. I don't, I don't believe that will happen. But I'm anxious to see what, what comes up. I think it's a great thing, and I'm just looking forward to seeing how it, how it turns out, at least in the beginning here. I know that you're in the media. We all try to stay objective a little bit, but I know that you do have uh, your heart. You know, will, will always be a, a part of Bonaventure history as as both you know a, a former player and a former head coach who's you know one of the legendary figures uh, in that program's history. Um, and so you must be just on cloud nine like me, looking forward to this upcoming season. Um, how do you think this team is going to handle the hype here, Jim? Because this is a club that is in way too early top 15s, top 20s. They got everybody coming back. The big trio's coming back. Uh, the Bonnies, can they can they handle the expectations is the question. That's a great question, Mike, and I think that that's something that's going to determine what's going on here because they have a good team coming back. There's no question. I think that what we saw from Bonaventure in the last game of the year in the NCAA against LSU was not the way they played all year long. Uh, they missed a, n- a number of shots. They might have been tight. They might not have been uh, ready for a big stage like that. Um, I think they will be this year. Uh, I think they've also helped not only are those guys, their whole starting team back, but they really added some good players. Uh, they got the transfer from Pitt, the 6'8 kid, Kulabai, that we saw, I saw a number of times get, get Syracuse. He'll help them. He's a big physical player that they, they really need. Uh, they got the transfer from Wake Forest that, uh, we didn't see them last year because Syracuse didn't play them, but from you know reading up on them and everything, the Wake Forest did not want to lose him. That they thought he was going to be somebody that was going to be a very good player down the road for him. I think he's going to help them. They got some freshmen, some size. So I, you know, yes, I think that they're going to be a good basketball team. Um, how good we'll find out. But I, I really like what they've done. Uh, I like what Mark Schmidt's a terrific, terrific basketball coach and. Uh, He's done an unbelievable job at Bonaventure, and we couldn't be happier that BC decided they didn't uh, want to interview him this year, which was the dumb, dumbest thing they probably have ever done. But uh, thankfully, from a Bonaventure standpoint, that he's still with us. But I, I think that they're going to be good. I think they got some good non-conference games this year. They were in a tough tournament early in, in Charleston that I think will help You know, a little bit if they can get a couple wins there against high-caliber opponents. Um so, yeah, my heart is, is with Bonaventure. It always has been, always will be. Um, and it's, uh, you know, I'm just very happy with what's going on. I just hope for the best this year. I think that they can they can do some damage, not only in the A-10, but certainly in the uh, NCAA. Yeah, no doubt. I think that one, you know, again, you get in, you see the field. Matchups are obviously the number one thing. But um, I think that's the next logical step, right? I, I, I'm not saying... Everybody comes back here with the preseason rankings. We got to go right into a Sweet 16. You got to be an elite. You know, it doesn't work that way. You got it's one game at a time. That's coach speak, but it's true. Uh, but then when you get in the tournament, it's matchup driven and all the rest. And Bonaventure did not match up well with LSU last year, but they just missed a bunch of shots. I think no matter how it goes down this upcoming year, Jim, you know, get back into the tournament and get that tournament win again. You know, they they did that a couple years ago against UCLA, but it kind of seemed. I don't know, a little artificial because, you know, it was it was in the it was in the you know the last four in, which I again I thought Bonaventure got hosed on that too. But man, wouldn't that be nice to get in the big bracket, you know, the normal bracket, 
and get one of those wins, maybe even two wins to sneak into the Sweet 16, become a Cinderella. Could you imagine? Yeah, I mean, it would be exciting, certainly, for any Bonaventure fan to do that. But, I, I, you know, I look at it and, you know, if they can get into the tournament every couple of years. I that, mean, that's a huge success. Years, yeah. That's that's a tremendous achievement yeah. for what they've got and everything. And, the, you know, the, and just everything in general. So I'm pleased with what they've been doing. I think they can make some some, some serious damage here. But, you know, they're, they're not a real big team. I mean, other than... Oshuni, who is a legitimate, you know, pro prospect right. at six ten, six nine, um, uh, you know, they're not a real big team. So that's where these new guys coming in really have to be able to help them. I think coming in, and they got a terrific guard. When you have good guards, you can usually compete with anybody. And uh, Kyle Lofton is, a, is an absolute stud, and he's been there for now his fourth year. The crazy part about it is, Mike, too, every one of these guys could come back next year if they really wanted to. Yep, or second year. Now they, I'm sure they won't. They've been here four years, and you know that's usually long enough for anybody to be at a university or playing under a coach or whatever. But he, uh, but so I think that they, this is their year. I mean, they've been building toward this, and I think this is the, you know, if they stay healthy, and that's a major part of it. As we all know, if they stay healthy, I think they can, they can, you know, really cause some some problems for an awful lot of teams. No question. Jim Saddle and our guests on the ML Sports Platter. A couple more for him, the radio color analyst for the Orange men's basketball team, and, of course, a St. Bonaventure basketball great in his own right, a player, a coach, 1977 NIT championship. And, Jim, that year, obviously, was so special in Bonnie Lore. When did you realize, you know, the NIT then, of course, was almost, if not as big as the NCAA because the NCAA tournament was smaller, and the NIT had a, a chunk of great teams. When did you realize that year that you could become something really special, maybe even win a whole tournament, whatever, whichever one it was? Well, you know, I think, honestly, I thought it, for the year before, um, we ended up the season, the last game of the year, uh, we played at Rutgers, who was undefeated, and uh, number three in the country or, or, or whatever, and... Uh, we led for that whole game until the last 30 seconds and uh, they ended up beating us right at the, right at the end in a really controversial call. If I can remember correctly. And I do. Um, but I think that it was, uh, that kind of gave us an idea that a lot of those kids, other than Bob Rosisco, who was a Syracuse native and a really good player for us, everybody else was back. So I thought we, we had a chance of being a really good team. And, and you mentioned it, the NIT at that time was not like the NIT now. Uh, the NIT then had had uh, 16 teams, huge. And, you know, and the NCAA had 32. So that was a 48. Only 48 teams made the tournament that year. 68 make the NCAA now, and along with another 30 years, whatever it is, in the NIT. So it, it was a select group. There was a lot of very good teams that were in there. And that was the year that uh, Marquette and Al McGuire's last mm-hmm. season won the NCAA. Yep. And uh, you know, honestly, we were very, very comparable to them because we were the same size they weren't huge we weren't really huge either but we had good athletes and so on so it was a it was a team that i think probably could compete with anybody in the country at that point and uh, uh so it was exciting it was a great memory and uh long time ago for sure but it was certainly something that you know people about adventure still remember yeah it was really cool for me i mean being a, a history fan you know a, a huge sports history guy going to bond is learning about bob lanier uh, on the visits, going into the RC, and eventually 
you know, playing pickup games in the RC, hanging out there, covering the games. I actually tore my ACL in the RC gym, so I have a real injury in that building. Um, you know, playing pickup hoops. But you look up and you see the banners, and it's so cool. And yeah, look, it's not Duke, it's not Carolina, it's not Kentucky. But man, you look up there, you see, you see Lanier, Stiss, Stiss, 77 championship banner. If you know the sports history, that championship banner is a big deal. That's almost like hanging up a 2004 Final Four banner, right? And so th- those are cool. And the RC, I tell you, it, it it's loaded with numbers and names and banners. And I think that's a pretty cool thing for, for, for the size of the school here. Yeah, it really is. And, and, of course, the 1970 team with Bob Lanier, when he got hurt in the regional final, sure. they were the best team in the country that year. Nobody can tell me different. UCLA won it that year with the guys like Sidney Wicks and Curtis Rowe. They were terrific players themselves, but they didn't have a Bob Lanier. Was that Steve Patterson at center? Yeah, it was the center. You know, so, I mean, I think it was a, uh, um, it was a terrible uh, break and, and accident that occurred to Bonnie's, and it was, this, you know, probably never going to happen again and uh, and that was an opportunity for them to add another big banner up there as the NCAA champs but it didn't happen and uh, uh, we go on from there but uh, but yeah it, 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 there's some great tradition at Bonaventure they've had great players there over the years and uh, um, you know been very competitive other than a couple stretches and uh, so I, you know Proud to be a Bonaventure guy, I'll tell you that one. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Jim Saddlin with us here, ML Sports Bladder, brought to you by Stanley Law Offices and Bryant and Stratton College. When you think back to all the years, all the players, is there a year you would choose to relive? Uh, is, it, is it the NIT year or the year before? Is it a year as a player? If you could pick one year to relive at, at, at Bonas, what would you pick? Uh, I would probably pick my senior year when I played. Uh, the year before as a junior, we were undefeated in the regular season, the only undefeated team we ever had, and uh, lost in the regionals to North Carolina down in Raleigh. And uh, um, that really set the pace, that team, I thought, for the Final Four team a couple of years later. But we also were going to, I was a junior that year, we were going to have a very good team the next year. Bob Lanier was going to be a junior, and, and Billy Kelball was back, and uh, Myself and John Hayes and I, we had four starters back from that team. And uh, we were put on probation uh, and never found out about it until the day, the first day of practice. And uh, the coach in the AD came in and said, uh, we got an issue and uh, we're not going to be able to play in the tournament this year. And we were ranked in the top 10 in every preseason poll. And that just kind of took the heart rate out of us. And uh, um, we ended up having a very average year, 17 and 7 or something like that. And, uh, uh, was disappointing. So I think if there was one thing I probably would want to do over, that would be the one because I thought we still had a chance to be a very, very good team and maybe a, a Final Four type team that, that next year as well. So it uh, didn't happen though. Did I see some pictures? You were at the Golf with the Bonnies. Was that at Ravenwood in Rochester? Is that where I saw I was, you? Uh, I was not there. Oh, you're at Bartlett. I was not at Bartlett. Oh, you were. Okay. So okay. I thought somebody posted something that they saw you there, but I, I didn't make it to either of them either. I, I played Ravenwood last week and just missed the the Bonnies, the golf with the. I've always wanted to do the golf with the Bonnies tournament. It's such a cool event. Yeah, that's always a great place. We had a, an event at Bonaventure uh, a month ago that was a, maybe you'd seen that. There was a picture of all the coaches there. Um, that's where it was. Yep. Yep. Jim Barron, who I coached, uh, Larry Weesey, who was my coach. Yes. And Mark Schmidt, and uh, we had a. a, a an event for a former teammate of mine, George Carter, who passed away. Yes, and, there you uh, go. Yeah, I was thinking yeah, it was at yeah. golf with the Bonnies, but you're right. I followed that that Carter yeah. story. That's 
I'll tell you, Jim, that was some cool stuff that they did for that. Yeah, we really, um, you know, once we found out about it, um, it was it's really a shame. He was the greatest athlete in Bonaventure history, drafted by four different professional teams. Wow. Uh, the Mets, the Bills, the Pistons, and um, and ABA, the Nets of the ABA. So, I mean, it was unbelievable. He was a great player in the ABA, averaged 18 or 19 points a game in his nine years. And then when the ABA and the NBA mic, um, merged, his team didn't merge like the Spurs did and the Pacers and so on. So those guys that didn't get merged in with the NBA lost everything. They had no pension. They had no salaries. They had nothing. So um, they ended up, long story short, he, was, he, he went to Vegas and uh, he ended up having a tough life out there and uh, died homeless, really. And uh, so they were going to bury him in a pauper's grave. And, you know, we, we kind of found out about it. And a number of us decided that that's not going to happen. We, we brought his remains back to Bonaventure to be buried, to be buried in the... Uh, Bonaventure Cemetery, and it was a great weekend. Everybody came, a lot of players came back, a lot of coaches, a lot of just fans, and so we had 150 people that were just at the uh, at the gravesite. And uh, we thought when we were going into it, they were going to have 20 or 30 people, including their his family from from the Fredonia area. So it, it was a great thing, and it, it said a lot about what St. Bonaventure really means. All right, let's close out here with a thought or two on on the Orange going into next season. Um, you know, <laughs> typical Syracuse hoops fashion. They kind of slug through the regular season, show up in the tournament, and voila, they're a Sweet 16 team. Buddy Beheim is the latest offensive juggernaut to go off, and nobody wants to face a 2-3, and who, who do you want in March more than Jimmy B on the baseline? Uh, give me your, your thoughts going into to next year. Obviously, there's a couple guys out, a couple guys in, the transfer portal effects, but you know, it's going to come down probably to Gerard and Beheim here, right, leading the way. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's. Uh, I know that Jim Bam feels good about his team. I think he thinks that they they will be uh, very good. And and you know, again, as you say, they always seem to take that extra step in the tournament when everybody's counting them out, or they're lucky to get into the to the field, and then all of a sudden, nobody, the San Diego States and the yeah. West Virginians that haven't seen him can't handle them. And uh, but I, you know. The only thing I have a little couple questions are Kadari Richmond was a very good player for them. Was going to be a very good player. Mm-hmm. Um, Gurrier, you know, was. Oh, I like uh, him, man. Yeah, I don't know if they got a rebounder that, that can do what he did. I, I mean, you know, he, he, you know, he was. You want maybe he wanted to play more outside. Maybe I don't know what that that whole thing was about. But I know one thing: he could rebound the basketball, and I'm not so sure who coming in is going to be able to do that. I mean, I think Jimmy Bayham probably very good player for them. I think he'd be a complimentary guy that will make shots and he's big, but he's not going to rebound like Gurrier. And Cole Swider's not going to rebound like Gurrier did. And uh, so it's somebody, maybe it's going to have to be a total team effort to do that. I do think Buddy Beheim surpassed so many people's expectations, including mine, to be honest with you. I didn't feel as though he was going to be of this level, this caliber of player. And you know what? I mean, he is as close to being a pro right now, I think, as we've had at Circus for a while. And people say, wait a minute, you know, he, he's not the fastest guy in the world. He doesn't handle the ball, doesn't really put it. He scores, and he shoots it, and he works, and he works, and he works. And I think when I watch guys in the pros that are like him, similar to him, he, he can do things that those guys can do. So I think they've got a terrific player like that. I think Joe Girard. You know, it's funny, I talked to Jerry McNamara just recently about it, and 
Jerry is Joe Girard is a, is a special guy with with Jerry, and Jerry likes him very much and everything. And he kind of brought up a good point that he had a tough year last year, and a lot of people were down on him. But he said, you know, he had COVID, and he had COVID during Christmas time, and he said he could not run up and down the court for us two or three times without having to stop and breathe heavily and so on. He said he never took a day off. He kept practicing. He kept playing. And he said, but that really affected him all year long. And and I, I completely agree that that probably did happen. And uh, so, I, you know, I think that they're going to be they're going to be able to score the ball because I think they could shoot it. Um, but I do think they lost some players that they were dependent on. Not even count Breswell, who was starting to come along well for him. Woody, Woody Newton, who they thought was going to be a good player. Another guy that got COVID and, and really hurt him his whole second part of his freshman year. So, I, you know, I think that they lost some pretty good players here. And it remains to be seen about how they can how they can fill those guys in. But I like what they got. I mean, I, I think they're, they're going to be a good basketball team again for sure. Okay, let me let me sneak in actually one more if you don't mind for one minute. Coach K is retiring soon. He announced that this upcoming season is his last. Where do you think he made the biggest impact in college basketball? Um, it's a good question. Uh, you know, it, it certainly uh, is not is not the. The uh, one and done that was Kentucky before him. He just kind of fell in line with that one. I think the, the biggest impact he had was um, when he took over the the Olympic team, hmm. and we were in dire straits at that point. And he came in along with Jim Beheim and, and some other assistants, and came in and just flipped that totally around and brought the respect back to the United States basketball program wise that we had been missing for probably eight years or so, and. Uh, so I think that was overall, I don't know, that doesn't answer your college game question, but I think from an overall standpoint with basketball, I think that's what he, his contribution was more than anything else. And, uh, uh, you know, I think he was respected by everybody, certainly. I think he did things the right way. Um, I don't think he cheated in any way at all, and I think that's a big thing to say in college basketball. I think he was very honest about everything. Um, but I think his his impact on the Olympic program and basketball in general uh, is something that I hate to say it that way, but probably saved the basketball, saved our reputation as a, as the world leader in basketball. Syracuse men's basketball radio color analyst, and of course, a St. Bonaventure basketball great in his own right, terrific career playing and coaching. Nineteen seventy seven NIT champ. It's uh, Jim Saddle, and Jim, thank you for coming on. I really always love talking to you. And I'll run into you real soon as we get back to packed buildings and normal sporting events and all the stuff that we love. So thanks so much. No problem, Mike. I'd be glad to get back to there. I know that. The ML Sports Platter is brought to you by our great friends at Stanley Law Offices and Brian Conboy of Mass Mutual New York State. Tax-efficient retirement planning today with Brian Conboy. Go ahead and see what the financial future holds for you. You might be sending a youngster to college or you may be retiring soon. Go with Brian Conboy today on Facebook, on LinkedIn. Brian Conboy of Mass Mutual New York State, the official financial advisor of the ML Sports Platter. Advisors.massmutual.com. Tip of the cap thanks as well to Barks and Rec Doggy Daycare, Sit Mean Sit Syracuse, and Axe Exotic Pets. Big time thanks to Jim Saddle, and I'm Mike Lindsley. This is the ML Sports Platter. Hit me on Twitter at Mike L Sports and ML Sports Platter on both Facebook and Instagram. As I always tell you, Enjoy the games.
Everybody needs just the right amount of fuel to get going in the morning. For some, a nice McDonald's egg and cheese bagel is just enough to do it. Others might prefer a McDonald's bacon egg and cheese bagel. Or perhaps a sausage egg and cheese bagel. And there are those where nothing will do but a hearty McDonald's steak egg and cheese bagel. Four different breakfast bagels to get you going. Tomorrow morning, give your engine a head start at participating McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Introducing Venture X, Capital One's new travel card for people always asking, Where next? You earn 10x miles on hotels and rental cars, and 5x miles on flights booked through Capital One Travel, and 2x miles on everything else you buy with Venture X. Plus, receive premium travel benefits like access to over 1,300 airport lounges. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.